couple things I wanted to mention in the, um, the newsletter before I begin the lesson, one of which Jack's already mentioned, and that is that the ladies' Bible class will not meet next month. The date was wrong anyway that I had. It's the 7th and not the 2nd, but now it's not anything. So I didn't get that memo, um, but that class will not be meeting next, uh, next month. But the men's class will be meeting this upcoming Thursday, and I don't know if you've looked at the subject for the study, but I thought I, I might need to make a comment about that. The subject is how not to become grumpy old men. That sounds like a good Bible class topic. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually based on a verse of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 47, when Pharaoh asked Jacob, who had just come down to Egypt during the period of the famine, he asked him, how many years have you lived? Well, his response was, the years of my sojourning are 130, few and unpleasant. And the word unpleasant, unpleasant could literally be translated evil. Few and evil have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. Now, I'm not going to say that Jacob was a grumpy old man, but I do think that I see, to a certain extent, a, a, a grumpy old man response in that. And, and one of the things that can happen as, as we age, we can become more negative and critical in our thinking, and we can find ourselves being wore down by the grind of life. So that's what that's about. It's not because I feel like we go to, I go to church with a bunch of grumpy old men. Um, I just felt like I needed to clarify that. Also, I wanted to say before I begin this lesson, in the Young Disciples class this morning, I think Connor asked me what I was going to preach or... Maybe he asked me, what I, do you remember what you preached a year ago? And he was thinking maybe it was something along the lines of Father Day. So he opens up his notebook, and I appreciate those who take notes. We have a lot here who do that, and, and that, that keeps me honest because I can't re-preach an old sermon. If I do, I better change the title anyway. But he went back uh, a year ago, and he, he told me that I preached on the blessings of fatherhood. And, and I, my response to that was, well, I'm not going to preach on the curses of fatherhood this year. But this lesson is going to look very familiar. It was a little over a month ago that we had the lesson on honoring the, father, the, the mother in our homes. And I want to continue that vein of thought. In fact, it's, it's, it's a lot of, you'll see a lot of similarity between this lesson and that lesson. It's the exact same three points. The title is the same, with the exception of replacing mother with father. And then the verse that I'm going to look at as an introduction is, is different as, as well. But this is from the perspective, not just of, of all of us honoring living parents, but also thinking about honoring the father who is in our home. And what that simply means is that at, at times in our lives, we, we need to think about, just like with the mother, I need to think about the fact that, that Paula is not only my wife, but she is also the mother of my children. Well, she needs to think about the fact that I'm not only her husband, but I am the father of her children. And I'm not saying that specifically that she doesn't, but, but that's what needs to go through our minds, I think, when we think about our relationships at home and about our families. 
And so what I'd like to do is to challenge you to think about the father who is in your home. And if you're a wife, I want you to see that in your husband. And if you are children, whether you're living at home or not, I want you to think about what it means to, to honor that person who is your father. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 24, the wise man wrote, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Now think about that based on everything I've said thus far. Think about the father of the righteous. Well, that, that would be you if you're the children. If, if you're the one who's in the home or you're the one who's outside the home and your father's still alive, the righteous here should be you. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. And what that's about is the mental state of a father based upon where his children are at. Based upon the way they are living their lives, it will impact his mental state. He will greatly rejoice, he'll be glad. Now, as I look back on my, my childhood, and as I think about the years beyond my childhood, certainly when I was a child, the last thing I was thinking about was making my parents happy. I don't know about the rest of you, but that's just not something you get up as a, as a little kid and think about. What can I do today to make my parents happy? Now, I wasn't thinking about what I could do to make my parents' lives miserable even though a lot of times, that's kind of what I did. But as I got older, I began thinking more about how, how I want to set, they've set a good example for me. I want to set a good example for them. I want to live my life in such a way that I can make my parents happy. I, I want them not to be miserable because of me. I want them to be, to be happy because of, of, of who I am. And, and it's such a blessing as a parent as you begin to see that change in, in your children and that shift of, of thinking in, in your children. Now, I've got two here this morning. You, you, guys are, you guys are going to get a little embarrassed. But I have, another, I, I have a confession to make. I, I've got a confession here. You know, I've never really believed, and you hear these stories about aliens coming to Earth and kidnapping people and replacing them with someone that looks like the person that they took. You ever heard those stories? I've never believed that, but I'm, I'm starting to wonder. Levi bought me the, uh, a Father's Day gift this year, and, and he, he spent his own money. No offense, Lydia. No offense, Micah. You're not here, but I want to tell you something. Something y'all never did. <laughs> something I never thought he would do. I'm not even sure that's my son over there. I think he may be up on a spaceship somewhere. You know, that was, well, that was a winning move right there. But in all my kids, 
I see good, I see bad, just like my parents saw good and bad in me. But when you begin to see your, your children make that transition and they're doing some things now, not because they necessarily feel like they have to, but they want to, it just starts to make it, that's, that's the blessing of fatherhood. But, but it's those things that, that I should have done more of to let my parents know that, that I honored them. Well, let's, let's make the same three points we made with the first lesson. Number one, just reviewing the commandments. And this is, some of these verses are the exact same, but I want to revisit because God sends us a message. He sends us a message not only in the commandments and the instructions that he, he gives to us, but if we sort of dig beyond the surface or beneath the surface of those commandments, I think in time we can begin to see some things that we don't see on the surface. And here's one of them. It's the commandment to honor your father. Honor your father and your mother, but honor your father. That your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now you go to the book of Ephesians and Paul quotes this. And he says that this is the first commandment with a promise. There's something unique about this commandment. It's, it's different from the other commandments. God didn't say with any of those other commandments that if you keep this one, then the, 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 your days in the land, the promised land, which was connected with that covenant into which they entered with God at Mount Sinai, your days are going to be prolonged in the land. That says to me, God values this relationship. The parent-child relationship is of incredible value to God. It's, it's something that serves to be the cement of the home and really, in many ways, the cement of society. And that's why I think when we look out into the world of which we are a part, we need to, we need to look beyond the surface and see the things that are going on and, and recognize everything that's happening in the nation that's tearing down the family, there's a plan and a purpose to that. Who do you think's behind that plan and purpose? Satan. You destroy the family. You can destroy everything. You turn the, the thinking of people upside down with respect to the, 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 the concept of family, and you can destroy the world, and Satan knows that. But we've got to see the significance of the relationship based on the commandments that God has given us. He who strikes his father shall surely be put to death. Verse 15 of chapter 21. Verse 17 of chapter 1. He who curses his father shall surely be put to death. There is to be that respect and that honor for the Father in the way the Father is treated and in the communication that we give to the Father. In Matthew chapter 19, when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gave a number of commandments. One of those commandments, one of those commandments was honor your Father. Think about that. Of all the things that Jesus could have said to him, and he did say several, but of all the things that Jesus could have said and the commandments that he could, could have quoted, he chose to quote that one. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 22, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. I would mention again that these commandments are not just for five and six-year-olds. These are commandments for all children at all times. You are to never stop honoring 
your parents. There, there's not a day when you can walk away from that. I personally believe I need to continue to honor my parents even beyond the grave. Even as they are gone, I need to continue to honor them. Listen to your father who begot you. He may not be talking to you anymore, but listen to him. I still hear my father talking to me. There are things that happen in my life. There are situations that I face, and I, I sometimes wonder, what, what should I do? And then I hear that voice, something my father said to me in the past that is relevant to this situation. If I'm going to honor him, I need to listen to that voice. And then I need to honor my father. We need to honor fathers through our love of those fathers. I'm going to go to a di different place here, uh, uh, maybe an unusual place, Ephesians chapter 5. It's a, it's a section of Scripture that has to do with, with, with marriage and the relationship that exists between the husband and the wife. Now, I did the same thing when we, we talked about honoring the mother in the home and how husbands are to love their wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And we understand that, that, that that's a love that involves sacrifice. And, and it's a love that was easy for Jesus because of his love for us. Love is easy when you recognize that what you do is not because of something that you have to do. It's something that you want to do because of who you are. Jesus loved me not because of who I am, but he loved me because of who he was. God is love. But here is a, a statement about the relationship insofar as the wife's submission to, to her husband. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, in Colossians 3.18, we'll look at that in a moment. He states, as is fitting in the Lord. But the, the relationship that you have with Jesus, the relationship that you have with the Lord will impact the relationship that you have with the Father in your home. And this is the power, ladies. This is the power that you have to communicate love for the Father in your home to your children. As they see you keeping the commandments, as your children see you being in submission to your husband, that will build in their minds respect for him. The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. In everything. And then in verse 33, the latter part of the verse, the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Well, the children will respect the father in the home but they will learn that respect from the parents. They will learn that honor from the way the husband and the wife will treat one another. I also quoted in the Mother's Day sermon, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because it's a, it's a very good place to go to learn about practical love. It's not the warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not the mushy kind of love. It's not the bring home the flowers. It's, it's daily life. It's, it's what you need to show love on a daily basis. And just as mothers need this, 
Fathers need it as well, just as mothers need it. Fathers need patience. Love is patient. Fathers need kindness. Love is kind. Fathers don't want to be the object of jealousy. Fathers, they need to sense that from the, the wife, from the children, that this person in the home is not arrogant, is not bra bragging, is not acting unbecomingly toward them, is not seeking their own, is not provoked. Fathers sometimes provoke their children. The Bible says, fathers, do not provoke your children. Why do we have that commandment? Because fathers sometimes do it. Take into account a wrong suffered. You get the point. You get the point. If I'm going to honor someone, I need to treat them with biblical love, which is very practical. In Titus, the second chapter, another passage that comes to mind and that is very relevant in this situation is one where Paul is writing to this evangelist and giving him instruction with respect to older women. Older women in the church. Older women, verse 3, likewise, they're to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Older women are in the best position to teach younger women how to love their husbands, have that practical love, not that warm, mushy feeling, that love that we just saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Older women are in the best position because they have experience. They know how husbands sometimes can be unlovable. They know how the father in their home can sometimes pr present a huge challenge in being lovable. Older women, you know what that's like. You need to be teaching the younger women because they're struggling. They're going through the same things that you went through. You can be a light to them. You can make a difference in their life by teaching them. And younger women, you need to listen. You need to go to the older women and you need to say, help me, please. My husband is such a... Don't say it. I need some help here. Well, let me tell you, your father is just like him. You married your father. So, yeah, I can help you with this. And then finally, honoring the father in your home through praise and encouragement. I said I was going to embarrass my kids. I always keep cards, cards that are given to me. I've got birthday cards, anniversary cards, Father's Day cards, going back years and years and years. And now you husbands, if you do this, don't tell you why. Because one year, my anniversary, she went there in my stash and she got out one of my anniversary cards and she gave it to me again. Russell, don't you, don't you let Jennifer know where those cards are at. Today's Russell's birthday. But another thing, here's a little, I'm very transparent if you haven't figured that out yet, but here's another one of my peeves. 
before I read the card, you know what I do? I go to the back. I go to the back page. I don't know how much it costs. <laughs> Somebody else here do that? I mean, that's just kind of weird, isn't it? Donna does it. But, um, you know, if, 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 if you're in my family, do not go to Dollar General and buy me a $1 card. I don't care what it says. I don't care how ridiculous it is. It, it better have cost you more than a dollar. So here I've got Lydia's and Levi's. How do y'all think this is going to go? Well, they both won this year, and this is the amazing thing. They both cost the exact same amount. Did y'all get together on that? They were both $4.99. Good job, kids. <clears throat> I'm going to read them to them. This is one of the bad things about being a, um, a preacher's kid. But um, here's why I say Levi's. Man, he's working on moving into that number one spot. He gave me this card. Give praise and encouragement. You've encouraged me to always finish what I start, to keep my word and remember my worth, to choose faith over fear and measure my success by the lives that I touch. You're a true inspiration, and I love you. Y'all better just, just love Levi today. <laughs> Don't worry, Julius. Dad, I could never repay you. I mean this literally. Please don't ever ask. Love you. <laughs> Thanks for everything. Happy Father's Day. And she did write touching comments in there, so uh, I'm not going to read those. But what, what our children say to us really makes a difference, doesn't it? I mean, there's people in this world, I could care less what they think about me. They could, they could tell me to my face that I'm the scum of the earth and, and dirt. I don't care. But I care what my, my, my family thinks about me. So realize the power you have with your words, wives, children, to impact the life of the father that is in your home. Let no one wholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. You know, that, that requires thought, doesn't it? Do you ever just speak before you really think? Well, that's when you say things that are not encouraging. There's needs of the moment. That requires thought so that it will give grace. They don't deserve it. They may not deserve to hear this, but grace is unmerited favor to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's evil intent. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. What a powerful message for communication. Whether it's wife to husband, husband to wife, children to parents, parents to children, brother to sister, sister to, to brother, what a powerful statement about communication. Colossians 3.18, wives be in submission to your, to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. I, I quote that because I have a relationship with Jesus. And whatever I say and whatever I do, whatever I say and whatever I do should be influenced 
by that relationship. It always isn't, but it should be. A few Proverbs, and then we'll close. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4. Think about this, wives, with respect to the father that's in your home. He's not your father, but he's the father of your children. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. You bring your husband down either in the eyes of your children or in the eyes of someone else. If he hears that, that's rottenness to his bones. Chapter 21 of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 21, and incidentally, he already knew this. He wrote the book of Proverbs. Wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. It so happens he also had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's why he had such a big house. A lot of women. If anybody knows, Solomon knows. Proverbs 21 and verse 9. It's better to live in a corner of a roof than a house shared with a contentious woman. Don't you, don't you know there were a few days when Solomon just had to get out of the house? Proverbs 27 and verse 15. Proverbs 27, like a roaring lion. That's chapter 28. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to read that one. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 15. A constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. He who would restrain her restrains the wind. Wind's powerful. It's hard to restrain it. The wind does what it chooses to do. And grasp oil with his right hand. So, so many verses of Scripture point to the power of communication and, and words. And we all are guilty of speaking words we shouldn't speak. But when we want to honor the father or the mother in the home... We need to give praise, but we also need to speak words that build up rather than tear down. Till next year, the lesson is yours on fathering. If you're here today and you have not obeyed the gospel, then we want you to enter into a relationship with one who will be your heavenly father. He'll be a perfect father. He won't make the mistakes that your earthly father will make. He'll take care of you. He'll love you from now and into eternity. But you must submit your life to His will. You must confess His Son as being your Savior. You must change. You must repent. And then you must be baptized to enter into a relationship with His Son who will then be your Savior. And your sins will be forgiven. They'll be washed away. If you're subject to that call, please come as we stand and sing.